Hi, I'm Tara DeVore, parent advocate, teacher, and member of the training corps at the University of Missouri's Thompson Center. Welcome to Supporting the Spectrum podcast. I'm here to bring you the most up-to-date information on research, services, and supports for autism. Join me to develop a greater understanding of autism and ways to support the neurodivergent community. This is Supporting the Spectrum. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Supporting the Spectrum. Summer is practically here, and I know we're all ready for some fun in the sun. Many people really enjoy swimming and relaxing by the pool during the summer months. Swimming can be a great opportunity to get fresh air, exercise, and spend time with your family and community. Water safety is very important to think about when we head into the summer months. Joining me today is Dr. Leanne Lowry, occupational therapist at the University of Missouri. Leanne is here to share some helpful tips for water safety this summer. Thank you for being here, Leanne. Hi, you're welcome. Okay, our first question is an easy one. What are your favorite pizza toppings? Almost all of them, but my faves, uh, mushrooms, black olives, mm -hmm. Canadian bacon, sausage. Those are good. Yeah. Do you have a favorite pizza place here in town? Uh, I like thin pizzas, thin mm -hmm. crust, so I like Papa's a lot. Okay. That's one of my faves. Uh, we like Eris's pizza a lot, too. Also okay. very good. Yes. I don't know that I've... I've been to the Eris's in Jeff City, but I don't know that I've been to the one here. Yeah, they're great, and they have really good salads, too. Okay. It's good to know. My daughter is a big fan of the salads. Can you tell me a little bit about your role at the School of Health Professions and the Thompson Center? So I am a clinical professor, and my primary role is teaching in the School of Health Professions and Occupational Therapy. I teach a lot about working with kids with developmental disabilities, and I also do some work around interprofessional practice, so helping students from all different types of programs, speech, occupational therapy, physical therapy, respiratory therapy, learn how to be better teammates and how to understand what each other does, and also how to be a better supporter for families and the individuals that we serve. It's amazing. That work is very much needed. Yeah, it's a good gig. Yeah. What inspired you to become interested in the field of autism? Well, you know, actually a long time ago, because I'm old, Kids with autism landed in the mental health world, and so one of my early jobs was in a mental health facility, and uh, we had a boy that was there, and he had autism, and we started thinking about how to support him better. And thankfully, over time, that's not to say that people who are autistic don't have mental health problems or challenges, but people could be served in other settings. And so really all throughout my career, I've been working with kids with autism, grew to be interested in working with teenagers and adults as well, because... I think we don't serve them very well, and we tend to do a lot of things for little kids, and then you get bigger, and we're like, oh, sorry, sorry about that. And so I've just seen some really difficult things happen to people that didn't have to be that way if there had been better support. And then I also just stumbled in. I was asked to do a guest lecture a few years ago, and then when I did that, I said, who are the people I'm talking to? And it was a master's program specific to working with kids with autism, and so I was in that master's program, and I'm like, could I do it? And they said yes. And so I have a master's degree with a specialty emphasis in autism. Grateful just for some great opportunities, and then that led me to the Thompson Centers. That's um, amazing. Yeah, a lot of just, you know, good fortune that I mm -hmm. had things happen that helped open doors for me. Yeah. So to jump into our swimming questions, why do bodies of water pose a greater risk for children with autism? 
One of the big issues and concerns is elopement or wandering, and that can happen for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's kids see something and they're interested and they wander away uh, to check it out, or sometimes they're scared and they run away. A lot of different reasons, but we know that that happens, and water tends to be an area or something that kids, a lot of kids are interested in playing in, and so if they do wander or elope, there's a higher risk that if they find a body of water that they might try to enter it. So we know that that's a big issue, and we want to make sure that parents are educated well about that. It's very important to know that that, it, that can happen. I was looking over some statistics about that, and it, the rates of wandering are really high, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and subsequently then leading to drowning or near drownings. And I always hate to talk to families. I think families have enough fears and worries when they have a child with a disability in particular. All parents have fears, but definitely parents of kids with disabilities have a lot of fears too, just about what's going to happen and will my kid get the services that they need and what would their life be like. And so I hate to bring up those other things too, because I feel like it's piling on a little bit of, let me tell you another really terrible thing that can happen. But I also want families to know and be equipped with the tools that they need to try to help keep their kids safe. And so, you know, just always open up with, I know this is hard to talk about. Nobody likes to think about these types of things, but we want to make sure that you have the knowledge and tools so you can be prepared. Absolutely. I think, like you said, it is hard to hear those things, but also it would be better to hear it and know that it's a potential thing that could happen than to have something terrible happen. Absolutely. And I think I saw a statistic that children with autism are like 160 times more likely to die by drowning than their peers. Yes. I mean, that is a huge, huge percentage. That's from the American Red Cross. So drowning is the leading cause of accidental death in all children. And Mm -hmm. it is true. Kids with autism are 160 times more likely to die by drowning. So big risk. Yeah. Yeah. Where should caregivers start when teaching their autistic child about water safety? One of the things that we always try to teach families and our kids is to ask permission before entering a body of water. So we always ask the kids to tell us, may I get in the water or can I get in the water or water please? If we have kids who are unable to communicate as effectively, then we use a visual cue card. So we have the kid hand that to us and we then thank them and you know, reinforce that, you know, effort to let us know. Also try to teach our families to really reinforce that as well. So, you know, if you're going to be going swimming or swimming in a lake or pond, encouraging your child to always ask first. So that's, I think, one of the most important things that we can do. That's a really good tip. What precautions can caregivers take to keep their children safe around bodies of water? There's a lot of really good information out there, and I would always encourage families to take a look at some of the resources. Um, The American Red Cross has a lot of great information about drowning prevention and water safety. There's another toolkit, the Big Red Safety Toolkit, which is about wandering and also about other safety things like drowning. So those are really great resources that list out a lot of perfect strategies for families. But one of the things that families can do first and foremost is just making sure that their doors and windows are secure, especially if they have a child who has a tendency to want to wander. Sometimes we don't know that kids want to wander, and so even still just making sure that we try to keep a safe environment by having doors and windows locked. Obviously, if there's any open bodies of water, especially pools or things like that, to make sure that it's fenced. If they have neighbors that have a pool, to make sure they speak with them and let them know they have a child 
who's autistic, just making people aware, like I have a family member and I care about their safety and I just want to make sure that we try to keep them safe, so making sure that they keep things gated. Usually discourage keeping toys and things like that around pools or lakes or ponds because that might draw a child closer to them to explore, so you don't want to have that as a risk. Making sure that you know about CPR and are trained in CPR and other safety measures. If you have a pool or things like that, a way to make sure like a life jacket or other safety devices to try to help a child get out of the water. And then the most important thing is teaching your kids how to swim. Those are probably the biggest tips. Those are really important. I never would have thought about the keeping the toys away from the pool or in the pool. But that makes sense. If they see them near it or in it, they're going to want to go and get them. Right. There's also um, just making sure there's always a point person or designated person. So if families are doing things around water, there's somebody who is designated to keep an eye mm-hmm. on children. And, you know, obviously alcohol consumption. I mean, we all go out and have fun at picnics and pool parties and things like that. And, and it's not uncommon that people might have alcohol, but just making sure that somebody is appointed to be the person who's watching kids um, to keep them safe. Because it can happen very quickly, and it really can happen and nobody even knows. I think the greatest risk is always lakes and ponds because mm-hmm. you can't see. So if a child goes under, it's really wouldn't know. So those are probably the most dangerous and the areas where people have to be the most attentive. So just making sure there's clear rules about for everybody, that everybody mm-hmm. knows these are our rules around water. Everyone adheres to the water rules. And then also, obviously, around ponds and lakes, making sure that their kids always have a, a, a life jacket on, mm-hmm. not just water wings or things like that, which can help to a point, but they're not water safe. So making sure that kids have access to good life jackets that fit them properly is also super important. That's a really good tip. And that's a good tip for all kids. Absolutely. And for all families, anyone who's going to be near water. Yes, very much so. I've got grandkids now, so I'm hyper vigilant about making sure everybody's super safe around the water. Oh, yes. It can happen so quickly. (laughs) What are some of the sensory benefits water and swimming can provide for individuals with autism? Lots of great things. And I mean, I love swimming for many reasons. The sensory elements, a lot of our kids really like the pressure, the way it feels. They like the way it sounds too, sometimes underneath the water because it's just a different kind of sound. We had a girl who I adore who really loved going underneath the water and watching bubbles come up in front of her <laughs> face or getting close to other people and looking at them blow bubbles. So lots of visual and auditory and just, you know, kind of that pressure. Obviously, the temperature of the water can make a big difference, mm-hmm. too. And, you know, we talk a lot about autistic kids being sensory sensitive, and sometimes they are. But most of the time when we've um, had kids at the at the pool, occasionally we'll see some sound sensitivity, but less than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the kids the are... The pool can be loud. Oh, very loud. It smells. I mean, chlorine mm-hmm. and you have temperature and splashing. And, but a lot of the kids seem to actually do really well around the water, even whenever we might expect to be some sensory things going mm-hmm. on. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's very neat. Are swimming lessons for autistic individuals safe? Of course, as long as you have people, we like to make sure there's a lifeguard on deck and making sure that we do a lot of things to help keep kids safe. We respect kids if they're anxious and don't force children to get into the water. 
And sometimes, you know, we've had families who are like, oh, can I just go ahead and push them so they'll go ahead and get in? And I understand that they want their child because sometimes it can take a long time at the side of the pool. And I understand the urge to do that sometimes. But just really respecting kids, especially if they're anxious or scared, and giving them ample time and trying to respect that or help them be able to communicate is important. So those are some of the things that we can do. As someone who was thrown off the diving board in swimming lessons when I was like six, I very much appreciate that because I was terrified of water for a very long time after that happened. Yeah. Well, you know, and the other thing too is really trying to keep kids from running. They tend to be excited sometimes. And of course, running around a pool can be uh, unsafe. Yes. And concrete and things like that are hard surfaces. So just trying to help kids learn to walk and to walk patiently and, again, making sure that they ask before they get in. I have seen kids run and jump in, and so really trying to reinforce that. Even if we have kids sometimes who want to run, we'll practice walking, so taking them back from where they started and then walking. Let's practice walking so that we know how to be safe when we're at the pool. So just helping kids really learn those basic skills is important. So if you had a child who did just immediately go and get in the water before they asked, what would you do in that moment? We typically go ahead and exit the kid from the pool and say, gosh, I know you're excited to get in, but we got to practice being safe, so let's get out and practice. And I want you to ask me, or if they're a child who can't communicate verbally, providing them say, you know, here's your card. Let me know that you're ready to get in. I know sometimes that feels tedious to have to do those types of things, to stop, walk back, and kind of redo the things again. But I just think it's such an important step that we don't skip over and I think sometimes we want to do that and my our volunteers sometimes want to do that too like oh okay it's fine it's fine but I just think that that's a critical thing just redoing it again and saying let's practice that so that you'll remember next time Mm -hmm. and then really reinforcing you know you don't ever want to make it punitive you just really want to make it like let's learn how to do this Mm -hmm. so that you'll remember next time that's very good advice Thinking about it from a parent perspective, it would be hard. Like, okay, they're in the water, everything's fine. But also, the next time, you can say, you have to ask before you get in the water, but if you don't make them take that step and get out and ask, then they're going to remember last time that they just got away with it. Yeah, and we sometimes have kids who are doing some things that are unsafe in the water, so we have to let them know if they continue to act in an unsafe way, they'll have to get out and their lessons Mm -hmm. will be done. That's hard, too. We don't want to make kids have to get out, but they also have to understand when possible Mm -hmm. that there are some consequences if they're doing things that might be dangerous to them or to a volunteer or a teacher. So we have to keep everybody safe. Absolutely. Yeah. What water skills are most important for autistic individuals to develop? Probably the most critical skills, one, would be treading. So if you can get a child where they can tread in any capacity, we don't care if it looks pretty. It doesn't have to be in the exact same way, but if they can keep their body upright, then that's a really important skill. Entering and exiting the water is also really important. So can they climb out off of a side? Mm -hmm. Uh, Can they locate a ladder? Can they get out when they need to? And then back floating is probably the other most important skill. Because if we can get kids to where they can back float, that's usually a really good safety skill for them to have. It's also probably one of the most difficult things that we Mm -hmm. teach kids. Back floating and then transition from front to back or back to front is usually one of our ladder skills that we teach. Usually treading comes along a little sooner, but those are probably the most important. Can you share a little bit about 
the swim program? Yes. So we have an adaptive swimming program. We've been running it for about seven years. We teach autistic kids to swim. It's very individualized. We well, we have an approach, but it's individualized to the child. And they come to us with lots of different skills and difficulties. And so we use a lot of evidence-based practices, so visual supports, we use video modeling, but we have specific skills, like I mentioned before, so entering and exiting the water, air skills, so being able to blow bubbles, close your mouth and keep your mouth closed, kicking, scooping, putting those together to be able to propel yourself, floating on your back. So we work on all of those skills, and we have an assessment tool that we created that's based loosely off the Red Cross and some other adaptive measures so that we have a way to measure where kids are and how they've advanced. Obviously using a lot of the things that they like, so if they have specific toys or other things that they're highly motivated by, we usually bring that into the lessons. We always have at least one volunteer, but a lot of times two volunteers, which is nice because sometimes it's good to have somebody in front of the child so they can see what we're asking them to do mm-hmm. and they can also attend better to what's being told. We run a boot camp for our little kids and we have the parents also involved. We teach them skills too. It's not rocket science and so we just try yeah. to help families feel empowered to know how to keep practicing things at home. It can be practicing how to kick your feet or you know do big arm scoops in a bathtub even. Uh, how to blow bubbles, you know, those Mm -hmm. are all things that we can do. So we try to help our families feel empowered. But we do the individual lessons. They're usually 30 or 45 minutes in length. We graduate our kids whenever we feel like they're ready to go to community-based programs. We are a program that really works to just be for those kids who might otherwise struggle to be in a traditional setting, like at the YMCA or other places where kids learn how to swim. So more often than not, we have kids with greater communication challenges Mm -hmm. or sometimes some difficult behaviors. So we take those kids, that's our priority. But like I said, we also try to really help our families out with feeling more empowered. There just aren't enough providers out Mm -hmm. there in general. And for them to talk them into taking kids with disabilities, most of the time we just really try to reassure them it's not that hard and that the parents really want to let them know more about their child and how to help them. So if we can create some partnerships and alliances, I think we have better luck. But it is hard to convince a lot of con- like small communities to be able to start programs because they usually don't have a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. So it's a struggle that we have found. But we're trying to train a lot of other providers. We get out and get on the road. We have some trainings here. We invite people to come and see our program and just try to get the word out. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. having more access to those adaptive swim lessons would be amazing. I had one family that wanted to travel to us from over two hours away, and I was just heartbroken. I just couldn't let them drive that far for a half an hour lesson. It just didn't feel right to me. That's where we start reaching out to communities and saying, would you please consider training with us so that you can, you know, maybe help this family. We still have families right now that are driving almost an hour, 45 minutes each way mm-hmm. because there just aren't any resources in their communities. Um, yeah. So that's tough. And we usually just run about eight sessions in the fall, eight in the spring, and we do four lessons in the summer. So fewer just because it's a really busy time. Yeah. And we have student volunteers. We're all volunteer-led program. We do have some recent funding through Boone County which helps pay for a couple of co-directors that I have and a little bit of my time and some of our materials and my colleague. But otherwise, it's just students who do all volunteering. Usually students are interested in getting to health professions. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great learning opportunity for them. And they just love our kids. Our kids are so awesome. They are. Yeah. That's 
it's the best day of my week when we have swimming. <laughs> That's yeah. so fun. Yeah. I, I really hope that I get to see this one program at some point. That's the goal. <laughs> okay, to wrap up our episode, just a few more questions. What is the best part of your job? The best part is when families tell me that they could do something that they couldn't do before, mm-hmm. and they share those stories with us. So, you know, we had a family that shared a picture. They'd gone to the Great Wolf Lodge with their family, and their son was able to swim with his cousins, oh. and the mom could sit on the side for the first time. So he could just do what everybody mm-hmm. else in his family was doing. And another family sent us a picture from a vacation they took at the beach and they'd never been able to go before. So the best part of my job is when families find success, you know, Mm -hmm. that they can do something that was maybe hard for their family before, just some regular thing that everybody wants to be able to do and enjoy. That's the best. And when my students feel successful, you know, so when they have moments where they have worked and maybe they couldn't figure something out and then all of a sudden things click and the child's successful and the student's like, wow, you know, like I did this thing and it Mm -hmm. helped. So that's amazing too. So helping them feel confident and then helping our families also feel confident as well. Yeah. So those are amazing feelings. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, we just had one of those moments since Luca was very small, bath time was a no go. Loves to swim. Not a bath. Not a bath time boy. About well, I guess the beginning of this year that changed and now he loves the bath. Yeah. And he's in there swimming around <laughs> and I'm like, This is amazing. Yes. It took us a long time to yes. get there. Yes. What is one piece of advice you would give to people wanting to support autistic individuals? You know, I think the most important thing is to see strengths first. I just think sometimes there's a lot of discussion about what people can't do, challenges they might have, and I just feel like when we lead out with what's hard or what's difficult, then we fail to see what's possible. So I just encourage people to be open-minded, to expect more, not less. Mm -hmm. Time and time again, I've seen kids do things that I was so amazed by. But maybe that's a reflection on me. Why was I amazed? Why did I not expect it in the first place, right? You know, so... I just think we have to expect that everybody's going to do their very best Mm -hmm. and succeed and that we'll do everything we can to try to figure out how to help them be successful. That's great advice. Is there anything I should have asked you but did not? I don't think so. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you, Leanne, for joining us today. You really shared some great tips for our listeners to prepare for water safety this summer. Yeah. I hope everybody has a fun time this summer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so ready for summer. Yes. Thanks much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Supporting the Spectrum. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be notified when new episodes are released. Thank you for supporting the spectrum. Mm-hmm.